Hey everyone, it's Father Pat, here today to offer you my reflections on the scripture readings for today. Our readings today are from the third Sunday of Advent, a reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The desert and the parched land will exult, the steppe will rejoice and bloom. They will bloom with abundant flowers and rejoice with joyful song. The glory of Lebanon will be given to them, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the hands that are feeble, make firm the knees that are weak. Say to those whose hearts are frightened, be strong, fear not. Here is your God. He comes with vindication, with divine recompense, he comes to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, the ears of the deaf be cleared. Then will the lame leap like a stag, then the tongue of the mute will sing. Those whom the Lord has ransomed will return and enter Zion singing, crowned with everlasting joy. They will meet with joy and gladness, sorrow and mourning will flee. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our response, Lord, come and save us. Lord, come and save us. The Lord God keeps faith forever, secures justice for the oppressed, gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets captives free. Lord, come and save us. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord raises up those who were bowed down. The Lord loves the just. The Lord protects strangers. Lord, come and save us. The fatherless and the widow he sustains, but the way of the wicked he thwarts. The Lord shall reign forever. Your God O Zion, through all generations. Lord, come and save us. A reading from the letter of St. James. Be patient, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You too must be patient. Make your hearts firm, because the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not complain, brothers and sisters, about one another that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing before the gates. Taken as as an example of hardship and patience, brothers and sisters, the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. When John the Baptist heard in prison the works of the Christ, he sent his disciples to Jesus with this question. Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? Jesus said to them in reply, Go and tell John what you see and hear. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. And blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. As they were going off, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out to the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? Then what did you go out to see? Someone dressed in fine clothing? Those who wear fine clothing are in royal palaces. Then why did you go out? To see a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way before you. Amen, I say to you, among those born of women, there has been none greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I've been fortunate to do a small amount of missionary work in Haiti. 
I know that some of you reading this have done significantly more than me. I can attest that while serving the people there brings many blessings to we who serve them, it can also be discouraging. The longer we do it, the more aware we become of the endemic political corruption in that country. Most people are unspeakably poor, and education is not only difficult to access, but often not worth the effort, as job prospects are dim. Haiti shares the island of Hispaniola with the Dominican Republic, and I recently saw an aerial photograph of the border between the two nations. The Dominican side is lush and green. The Haitian side is barren and rocky. Up until the early 20th century, Haiti's land was also green and fertile, but deforestation occurred when Haiti was forced to harvest lumber in an unsustainable way to pay off heavy, heavy foreign debt. This also led to drastic soil erosion. As a result, fresh, fruit, fresh fruits and vegetables are almost impossible to obtain or grow. The rare young adult who has the opportunity to leave Haiti does it, happy never to return. Everyone else just struggles to survive, and the missionaries who try to help are so tempted just to give up. The joyful vision of Isaiah in our first reading today sounded almost like a fairy tale to the Jewish people. Israel, once a land flowing with milk and honey, is now a wasteland. War with foreign nations resulted in horrible destruction, the most painful being the sacking of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. Anyone who can provide labor or skill to the Assyrian or Babylonian conquerors is forced into exile, leaving behind only the undesirables, the old, the sick, the children. But Isaiah, as honest as he is with the Jewish people about their sinfulness, also tells them that all is not lost. The passage that we read today speaks about a return to Jerusalem from exile. The road leading from Babylon to Jerusalem, a barren, lifeless desert, will be lush with trees as beautiful as the cedar forests of Lebanon and bloom like the fertile soil of Carmel and Sharon along the Mediterranean coast. As they approach their ancestral home, they'll find that the weak who have been left behind have become strong. It's a complete transformation. But the natural question is, when and how? That's where some missing verses come in. Our, verse, our reading today, you might notice, includes only verses 1 to 6a and then uh, verse 10 of chapter 35. But notice verses 8 and 9 that are not included in our, in our uh, lectionary reading. Go, they go like this. A highway will be there called the Holy Way. No one unclean may pass over it, but it will be for his people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray on it. No lion shall be there, nor any beast of prey approach, nor be found. They're going to see a transformation, not when they arrive in Jerusalem, but along the holy highway, the faithful journey getting there. The target audience for the letter of St. James is interestingly very similar to Isaiah's, despite the multiple centuries uh, separating their composition. The letter of James begins this way. James, a slave of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion. Greetings. Now, there's some debate as to actually wrote this letter and when it was written. James is likely the leader of a Jewish Christian church in Jerusalem who was stoned to death by the Jews in uh, the year 62 AD. The opening reference to the twelve tribes would make sense in writing to Jewish converts. However, the excellent Greek style of the text indicates an experienced Gentile author, which could mean that the letter was written more toward the end of the century by an admirer or a disciple of James and attributed to him to give the teaching within the letter more credibility. It was a common practice of that era. No matter, though, whether 
written to those of Jewish heritage who identify uh, with both the 12 tribes and the historic exile, or to a later, more diverse community, the listeners are those who feel not at home in their current life experience, feel like exiles. The author urges his listeners to be patient, using two examples to guide them. The first is that of a farmer who perseveres with his crops through the many challenges of the growing season. The second is the Old Testament prophet who endures in the face of opposition, persecution, and indifference. The farmer and the prophet are admired not for the abundance of the harvest, but for their steadfast dedication to an outcome sometimes difficult to believe or perceive. The grace is once more in the journey. Today's gospel reveals a very different John the Baptist than the confident rabble-rouser we met in last week's gospel. But I can hardly blame John for that. After all, he's in prison at Herod's order, and he fears it's not going to end well for him. But from the womb, remember, John recognized Jesus as the Messiah. And yet now, John questions his cousin's identity and mission. Maybe even John got caught up in the expectation of a triumphant Messiah who would crush Israel's enemies and cut the hypocritical Jewish leaders down to size. What John perhaps didn't grasp is that the weak and the lame in Isaiah's prophecy include more than just those who are left behind. The prophet also proclaims that the wolf will be a guest of the lamb, the calf and the lion shall browse together, and the baby shall play by the viper's den. The Messiah came not to crush his enemies, but to save them along with his friends. It's for this reason that Jesus says, There has been none greater than John the Baptist, and yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he, greater than John. We live in an especially challenging time, but one that paradoxically is ripe for the flowering of grace. And so we have the chance to demonstrate a faith perhaps greater than any generation before us. I read recently about a name named a man named Les Knight, who at 75 years of age is widely known as a happy-go-lucky, self-deprecating, nice guy. However, he's also the founder of, a vol- of, of the, uh, an organization called the Voluntary Human Extinction Movement, which is a loose consortium of people who believe that the best thing humans can do to help the earth is to stop having children. To be clear, Knight isn't suggesting the human race Uh, has fewer children with the goal of population control. He advocates instead that we stop procreating entirely so that in a few generations, humanity dies out of existence. Knight himself has no children, and he had a vasectomy at age 25. He believes that human beings are doing great damage to the planet, and so those who are now alive should enjoy the remainder of their natural lives but not produce offspring because, in his words, look at what we've done to this planet. We're not a good species. It takes tremendous faith in the time in which we live to believe that Jesus can transform even the hardest of human hearts. The Lord is showering us with grace to be his messengers in a world that now believes it's beyond redemption. We are walking the highway to holiness if only we perceive and believe how glorious it will be when even our enemies join us in rejoicing and praising God. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Have a great day.